So let's just pray together. Gracious, loving God, we give you thanks today that we can come and share with your word for us. We can share in worship. We can share in prayer. We can share in fellowship with one another. Oh Lord, may your Holy Spirit be upon us today, opening up your scripture so that we may truly and deeply understand you more thoroughly. We pray that your Holy Spirit be upon our hearts and our minds today. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now we've been doing um, our series on the seven signs in John's Gospel and we're up to week three in our seven signs and we're going to be having a look at the healing of the paralysed man at the pool of Bethsaida. Today we're going to be looking at how Jesus really shows his divinity, who he is truly as God. We're going to be looking at how he's knowing, how he's powerful, how he's loving and showing of mercy. But before we get too far and before I go and read the scriptures for us, I want to ask you this question. Now, remember back when you were at school, and, it, and some of you may still actually be at school, um, and I want you to think of the times you may have been playing, you know, a ball sport or, you know, um, whatever it might be, where you had two teams, and you had all your friends around you, or it might be your classmates, and you needed to be divided up. Nowadays, it's like... a the teacher will come and go, you know, red, green, red, green, red, green, or one, two, one, two, and just go through and randomly pick it. But I remember back in my time when I was a kid that um, one of the things that you do, so, and this was, you know, outside of organised school things, but it was in the, in the playground at lunchtime, you, you know, whether it be playing um, handball or, you know, forcings back, whatever it might be, um, we played those games, um, that you would... Um, You'd pick somebody to be the leader, and there'd be two of those, you know, one for one team and one for the other, and you'd go through the procedure of then picking who was going to be on your team, and, you know, the team leader would have the, the onerous task of picking the best person for their team, the best person for the, you know, and they'd go from one to the next, and you'd work your way down till there were just the two last people. Have you ever been those last people? No last ones to be picked. <laughs> um, it's okay if you were. It's all right. But look around. Some of you may never have actually experienced that because you may have been really good at sport and you, you weren't ever picked last. Other people may not have been so crash hot, you know. And, and that's what I want you to remember as we're reading this, that sometimes that feelings that you have when you're the last one to be picked... It's that negative, oh, I'm last again, uh, self-doubt, am I really any good at this, but I want to, you know, or you want to show, I'm really good at this, but nobody believes me, or you know there's someone better, and they always get picked before me, that kind of thing. I want you to take that feeling as we go to the scripture, and as we read the scripture, and I'm going to get Josh to, to put it up on the screen for me so we can just go through it. It comes from John's Gospel, 
this is the, the third sign, the third miracle that Jesus is performing that we're looking at. It's John chapter 5, and we're going to be looking through verses 5 through to 15. So I'm going to read it for you, and then we're going to unpack it. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethsaida and which is surrounded by five coloured colonnades. colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame and paralysed. One who'd been there, an invalid, for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured and he picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who'd been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick, up, pick it up and walk? The man who, healed, who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. Now, isn't this an ama you know, amazing story? An amazing sign that we have here. And I want to unpack a couple of things for us through this story about Jesus and who he is and his divinity for us, but also about us as well. So let's just dive into the first one of these, these points I want to make. The first of all is that Jesus actually knows your story. When we come to this, we need to actually realise, and as we look at this, Jesus knows the story and knows who is there at this pool, at the pool of Bethsaida. He knows the invalid that's been there for 38 years. He knows the story. He knows the location. It's actually interesting. We, we really wouldn't even know about this pool unless Jesus had gone there. It would have just been another one of those um, cistern pools, places of water storage within the city. Of Jerusalem, but... It only becomes real to us and deep to us because Jesus visited there. Now, was it because he knew what happened there? Was it because he arrived when he was much younger as a child in, in Jerusalem when he was 12 and knew, knew what to do? Or was it something else? Was he going there because there were people there without hope? He knew their story and they felt hopeless. See, 
as we read the scriptures, we understand something about the nature of Jesus. Is that he actually goes to places, he, he goes to people who are down on their luck, who others find repulsive, who others stay away from. You know, where, where was it? The place where he went was where the blind were, where the lame were, where the paralyzed. He goes and talks to sinners. He goes and spends time with lepers. He raises dead people. He, he spends time with Matthew the tax collector or the Samaritan woman or people caught in adultery or he heals a man possessed with demons. These are all the things that Jesus does. You know, he's the one that goes and spends time with them. But what do we see? Who, what's the flip side of that? We see in here in the, in the passage the, the Jewish leaders. And in, in, in the NIV that we're reading today, they call Jewish leaders. And we, we often surmise that's going to be the Pharisees or scribes or or people who were trying to uphold the nature of, of God's law for their people. But the difference here that we see between Jesus and we see between those leaders is Jesus is showing mercy and love and the leaders, while they, they want to uphold God's commandments, comes at a bit judgmental and don't see the wonders and the miracle that happens. See, the Jewish leaders here don't see the healing of the man. They see the fact that he was carrying his mat. So they're not celebrating the fact that God has done something wonderful. They're bemoaning the fact that they've broken one of their laws. And so we see a marked difference between a place of mercy and healing that, that this pool of Bethsaida should be and that Jesus gives us to what the religious leaders are doing. And so it does speak to us as well. Especially, are we more willing to see the wonders that God has done, the workings of the miracles that God has done in people's lives? Or are we too fixated and see just that they're broken rules? that they haven't done what they should have done. Jesus sees and knows our story intimately. He knows this man who's been an invalid for 38 years and he knows what he needs. The second point that I want to bring up for us is that Jesus will actually change your story. Jesus does, just doesn't know. You know, you can know somebody and never change them. Never get involved in them. Never do anything for them. But Jesus actually changes the story. He knows you and he changes your story. And this is incredibly powerful. He changes this invalid story. And he changes our story as well. I think it's so incredible and it's a really remarkable thing. 
as we read this, and I just want to bring it back up to you yet again, so you can hear it yet again for us. And I'll get Josh just to put um, verse 5 and 6 up as we go along. There was one who had been there, an invalid for 38 years. So you can see, he, here he is. You know I said for you to think about this for a while, about being picked last, of not being chosen for the team. Think of what that would be like to be, have that happen for 38 years for you, always being overlooked. But here he is, an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Seems a pretty straightforward question, don't you think? It's, it's kind of, you know, here you go, you've been an invalid for, for 38 years, and he asked the question, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Well, the answer, you know, from, from somebody who is well, the answer would, well, yeah, that's what we want. We want to be well. We want to be healed. We want to be whole. I, I, I don't want to be an invalid. But was that the guy's response? Was that his response to this question? Was his response a resounding, yeah, I want to be well? His response, and, and it is in some way, yes. But in other ways, he's making excuses. Let me show you. His response is, sir, the invalid replied. I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down but ahead of me. Notice, you know, picked last. Nobody there to help me. It's somebody else's problem. I, 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 I want to get well. I'm here because I want to get well. But, you know what? Other people aren't around to get me into the water to be healed. What? Why did he want to get into the water? Why is it when the water is stirred? It, it's actually a reference back. And it, for us, we, we, we want to take this as a reference back to the Holy Spirit moving in that time. We come all the way back to Genesis and the, the Spirit of God moving across the water, brooding over the waters, over waters of creation. It's that stirring of the waters is, is a symbolic and, of the Holy Spirit moving within creation. And people would come there to get well. The Spirit of God providing the healing. And he wanted to be healed, but he'd spent 38 years never having somebody help him to be well, help him to get into the pool. He was always picked last, never picked at all. He tried to get there, but because he was an invalid, he was always slow. So the thing is, you may think it's a funny question to ask, do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? And his response is, well, nobody's going to help me. It's funny because we think, well, the immediate answer should be yes. We should know who Jesus is. We know that he can heal him. But this man doesn't really know. He doesn't, he doesn't have that idea. In his head, he just knows that he's always been overlooked. And then Jesus changes 
his story. He changes his story and says, Jesus then said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. And he picked up his mat and he walked. He changed the man's story. He changed it from somebody that had taken on himself that he would never get well, that other people would always not be there to help him. He'd never get into the pool when the waters were stirred. The Holy Spirit would never heal him. And yet, Jesus changed his story. See, there's, there's an illustration that I think is really interesting that can help us in all of this. And this illustration is that, think of a ship. Think of the water around the ship. It's not the water around the ship that causes it to sink. It's when you let the water get inside the ship that causes it to sink, isn't it? So when you think of the negativity around, that I've never been there, never been able to get in, and when you let that sink inside of you, that things have never happened for me. Let's just get personal here. You know, have you had something that has not happened that you've wanted for a long, long time? And when you let that negative come into you and it starts becoming your story that it will never happen, that's letting the water into the ship and you sink. When you think that you may have been praying for God to do something and it hasn't happened yet, but you're letting that negativity creep in and saying, well, my God's never going to answer. Why should I bother praying? I'm just going to give up. That's letting that negativity creep in and change you. And it lets you become just that negative person defined by the things that don't happen. You are defined by what God can do within you because God can change your story. Such a vital thing for us to realise that God is above and beyond all things. That we shouldn't have a negative faith. We shouldn't just believe the reasons why God can't do something, but we should learn that God is all-powerful and can change us immediately. The next thing I want us to look at, we've looked at how God knows our story, how Jesus will change our story, and not only just change our story, he will actually rewrite our story. Completely rewrite our story. You know what happens? The story goes on that we hear here. You know, he picked up his mat and he walked. And what, what would happen? You know, he's healed. What, what could he do as a man who's just been healed? He's taking his mat. He's just been chastised. By the religious leaders. Not only has he just been healed, but he's been chastised for carrying his mat, something that he's never been able to do before. But yet he's been chastised by those who should be seeing God at work. We've been chastised because of that. And he, you know, and he's been asked, you know, who is this man that made you well? Well, he's the one that said, pick up your mat and walk. But who is he? Well, I don't know, because Jesus had slipped out. Where did he go? Did he go home? Did he go back to his family? By the sounds of it, his family had left him and neglected him and left him there because there was nobody there to help him into the water. 
He was alone. But what happens? Where does he go? He goes and gives thanks to God. He goes to the temple. He, you know, he, bring it to here, he comes to church. Even though those in religious leadership had already said, you're doing the wrong thing, he still goes to church and he rewrites, Jesus rewrites his story. Somebody that was never going to the temple is suddenly here in church, in the temple. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said, see, you are well again. Notice that this, he's at the temple and he's going, see you're well. See what the miracle is that has happened in your life. See how God has done an amazing thing for you. Come and look at that. And he's going, look at that. Then he says, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. In other words, he gives actually a command for him. He gives a command to change. And that brings us further on. That not only does he rewrite his story, he also gives a direction where that story should go. Don't go back to your own ways. Don't just go on your own path, but follow God's path for you. Follow God's statutes. Follow God's commands. That is the rewriting of your story. Jesus knows you intimately. Jesus knows you intimately. Jesus will change your story at that moment when you, you talk with God, when you intersect with God. You rewrite your story. And he changes your story and then he comes and rewrites it, gives it a new direction to go. And I love this fact that this man who was healed, he was healed regardless of what his faith was at that stage. It wasn't dependent on his answer to do you want to get well? He didn't know when he was questioned about who healed him by the, the religious leaders. He didn't know who, they, who he was that healed him. He was just the man that said, get up and walk, and I did. It wasn't until later when he comes to the temple, when he comes into church, that he realises the thing that God did in his life was done by Jesus Christ. You know what the man did? He went away and he told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. Not because he, he wanted to tattle on them you know, and, and get him into trouble, but because you asked me this question, who was it that had the power to do this? It was Jesus. And that's where we go to next. Because Jesus also wants us to, and to use us to help rewrite someone else's story as well. What does he do? He tells the Jewish leaders, he tells other people who it was that healed him, who it was that took him from being down on himself, feeling like he was always the last one picked, feeling like God was never with him, never able to do anything. He was the one that said, this man changed me. This man healed me. This man just said, commanded me, get up, take your mat and walk out of here. Are we willing to let God do that for us? To know you intimately and deeply. To change you at that point of need. 
to rewrite your story, to go into a new direction, and to have that story help and rewrite somebody else's? Notice there's always more to these signs than just what is on the surface. The signs in John's Gospel point us towards the divinity of Jesus Christ. But it also tells us about ourselves and our own human condition of who we are and what we possibly can be and where our life should be going. So let us just pray together. Let's just ask for God to be within, with us and that if we're at a point where we, we don't think that God knows our story, let's pray that God knows us more deeply. Let us open us up and go, yes, God knows us. Or maybe we're at a point where we need God to intersect with us, to change us. Jesus will change our story. Jesus will rewrite our story. And Jesus will use us to help rewrite other people's stories. So let's just pray together.